Five scores! Rick Vaughn. We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Vaughn, Gary Madden. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello, Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Welcome, everyone, to the Squid and Ultimate Leafs fan show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan. Thanks for joining us for episode 70, part two of the Tiger Williams interview. If you enjoyed episode 69, part one, you're going to love this one. Stay tuned and have a listen. No. Now, now you touched on your relationship no. with Ballard as a good one. Uh, a couple things here. Now you're one of the few guys that I mean that really could speak to him. But there was a time when you and Harold apparently had an argument over something, and he made a comment to you that, "Why well, you're just a stubble jumper from Saskatchewan," and you replied right back to him that, "Well, it's better than being a fat old bastard from Ontario." <laughs> well, Mister Ballard would challenge different players to see what they were made of. And if you did not stand up to him, he didn't want you. He didn't respect you and he didn't want you. So what you had to, you had to, you had to put your balls on the line with him. And when I called him a fat bastard and I stood up and said it right to his face, he liked that. (laughs) That's when we became buddies right there and then. Because he knew I wasn't going to put up, yeah, he's the owner. Yeah, he could trade me. But. You're not going to disrespect me in front of my teammates. I don't care who you are. Because you know what? There's lots of other teams I can go play for. You know, uh, but I want to stay in this organization. I wish I was still there to this day. I loved it there every second of, uh, uh, of of my whole career. I loved playing in Toronto. I loved the fans. I loved everything about the whole thing. And, uh, but, you know, if you're going to call me out, even if you're the guy signing the checks, you're calling out the wrong guy because I'm going to react because that <laughs> I have to show that strength to my teammate that I can't pick and choose. Now, is that why you gave him the bear? Hey, now, Tiger, is that why you gave him the bear rug as a gift? I gave him the bear rug at the end of that year just to kind of uh, make him feel. And, and he loved it. And I wanted to do it for him. And uh, uh, I just liked him. You know, I like, you know. You know, old Popsy was the guy who used to deliver the uh, popcorn and yeah. the ice cream and, and yeah. the Maple Leaf guys. I went. I flew out from uh, Vancouver to his funeral. Guess who? How many people were there? You, Popsy, and me. Yeah. And I paid for the funeral. So some of those people were awesome. Uh, now let me ask yeah, you this: uh, Did you ever cut the hundred bucks from King and uh, Ballard that owed you from the Great Cup? Oh yeah, I, we 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 used to have. <laughs> well, that Hamilton Tiger Cat thing when he put those on the boards, and then that you know the league didn't want him to, and I said, well, he put them on for me and all that. I mean, I you know what, Mister Bellard was a he was a good guy. I I liked him. You know, he, uh, he was he. You know, some of my teammates didn't, but that's their problem. They should have they should have went and talked to him about it. You know, and challenged him. I challenged him all the time. Yeah, he was. He wasn't a bad guy. He was just cheap. I mean, uh, but I, I remember uh, something similar to what you went through with him. We're getting on the plane, the charter one night, and Har- Harold's behind Gary Lehman, who's right behind me. And 
someone had said something, uh, or I think Gary said something to me about it was right near the end of the season and my contract was up. And Ballard said, he goes, You're not, he won't get another goddamn dime out of me. And I just turned right around and I just stared right through him with my eyes. And I didn't move. I just stood on the step of the plane and I didn't move. And then just turned around, got on the plane, never said anything, just stared at him. And I think I could have burned a hole through him with my eyes when I did that. So, but he gave me the contract I wanted. So I, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't mind the guy except for the fact that he was sometimes cheap. And sometimes he said things in the paper that some guys couldn't handle. Didn't bother me, but bothered a lot of other guys. Well, I think, I, I think uh, Mr. Ballard's attitude was he wanted to, no matter what it was, for whatever reason, he wanted the Toronto Maple Leafs on the front of the the Toronto yep. Star or the Globe Mail every single day. He didn't every want to day. share that space when the Blue Jays come along or the Argonauts <laughs> were around or whatever else. Yeah. He wanted to be on that on that front page, and he would do whatever he had to do to do that. Well, to me, that's yep. a, a guy that's a, he's a smart man. He's a good businessman, uh, and um, the only thing that was sad about uh, uh, the only thing that I, I, I can complain against about playing for the Leafs were in our day, we weren't, it was, we didn't get any stock options. <laughs> that was not right. We should have got stock options or had the opportunity to buy shares. Trying to buy Toronto Maple Leaf shares when I played there, I'd go on the bid. You'd be on the bid for a month and might get five shares because, you know, I don't know if many, I don't think any of the other guys even thought about it, but, you know, I ended up having a few thousand shares when he finally, when Mr. Ballard got bought out, life moved on. But it would have been nice as players to own that stock. And that stock, you know, I'm buying it between six and twelve dollars. And I'm, when he died, it was one hundred seventy dollars. That was a good investment. Yeah, well, it's funny. That's a, I got a funny story about that because my contract when we were negotiating, they Harold wanted to give me five thousand shares of. Maple Leafs stock. And I'm like, well, I don't want stock. I want, I, of course, I don't know anything about stocks. I wish I had a known Mike at that oh, time yeah, because yeah. he would have said, yeah, grab Make them. It. Because I think they were like 20 some dollars and then they went to 250 and split five to one or something. And yeah. so if I had got those, <laughs> I just wish I had a known because <laughs> I didn't know anything. It was like, yeah. no, I want the money. Oh. <laughs> I would have rather had. He could keep the money. Give me the stock. Stock. Um, <laughs> well, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. So. I, I get it. Now, Doug, you touched on your relationship with Greg, Jim Gregory, a uh, great man. Anything else you can add about him, your relationship with him? I uh, know. I, I I really respected the man. I thought he was good. I thought he was very fair to everybody. Uh, the one thing about what he did, well, that whole organization did when I was there was everything was first class. You know, they never nickel and dimed anybody. And, uh, you know, we stayed at the best places. We chartered all the time. They made it as, as best as possible for us. And I, after going to other, so you don't know any better because you have only been at one team. But once you get traded around the league, you find out that not every every team, not every owner really cares about winning, in, in my opinion. Uh, but, uh yeah, Mr. Gregory was always he was always fair. Uh I I I liked him. I liked him a lot. 
Uh, he was definitely the best GM I had. Not that, you know, and I had some good GMs uh, since then, but he was fair to everybody and, and he was always first class. And that as, as, as a player, I appreciated that. Well, let's talk about the guy who replaced him. Punch him. comes in, things turn around, but not the right way. They start. Well, to and I apologize to the leaf nation. I should have cut that, that, that guy's throat the second night I met him. Uh, and I, I didn't do it. And, and then we, it is what it is, but that was my fault. And I apologize to all the, the Leaf Nation for not not cutting his throat right off the bat because he was he was the game had passed him by so long ago. Mm -hmm. His attitude, he, he had no class. Uh, I mean, he was just a bad person, and that again, you know, in all fairness. To, to Mr. Ballard, when you're at his age, it's probably easy to manipulate a, a fellow like that. And 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 Punch was a, a pretty good manipulator, but he had no class. He was he was he's a worse guy. Yes, he won the '67 Cup, and good for him. But his his time was over, and it was a very very poor decision by that organization to bring him back, and they set that organization back for. A while. Uh, yeah. The only good news about uh, Imlac in, in my life is that he made me a lot of money when I got traded. Because I got paid four times more than I did when I was playing there. Well, what were the players thinking when it, with, like, as an example, we'll get into the trade in a second. Obviously, you know, we're going with this, but uh, like the, the, some of the bizarre decisions, like bringing Carl Brewer back. I mean, that must have divided the room immensely, figuring that everything was going right back to Imlac. Well, the problem with Carl had is I think the older guys thought he was there for, for being a spy, which is not a good atmosphere for yeah, in a dressing room. I like Carl. I spent my time to get to meet Carl. Carl was still a phenomenal skater. Uh, Carl yeah, was, he was. <laughs> uh, yeah, he could skate all day long. Uh, Carl was not a stupid man by any means. and uh, But, you know, Carl probably needed the dough at the time and, and blah, 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 blah. But it is what it is. Uh, um, it it was a poor decision by Imlac. It, it didn't serve them right. I remember the time when we were, like, if you ever raced, uh, nobody could beat Carl Brewer around the ring. Nobody. Not even Solomon could, could beat him. I mean, he was unbelievable. But the Was one it more, when, Tiger, was it more, Tiger, was it more about the optics of it all that, that was the worst part about it? Well, I, mean, I think it was. Like it was, you say, like everybody thought he was a spy. Yeah, and the other thing, Carl, the game game with Carl, I mean, Carl could still skate, but Carl certainly didn't want to go in the corner. Uh, yeah. And uh, it wasn't when we were doing a drill, we are skating around the rink, I don't know, yet guys had to do six laps or whatever it was, and uh, Carl's going a million miles an hour, and he goes to pass Ian Turnbull, and Turnbull sees it coming, he pulls the net. Yeah. Carl's not paying attention, he <laughs> runs right in the net, blood everywhere. I'm on the... The forwards, the deer are doing it. I'm on the bench. I go to jump over the boards. Dan Maloney grabs me and he goes, you let the bastard bleed to death. You go out there, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Stop. she's my teammate. <laughs> I go out there. But, you know, I mean, those are things that, that happen that are a bit of a, a blemish on the organization, but we've all got over them. And, uh, but as a person, I had no problem with with Carl personally, but I took the time to go and talk to him and meet him. But 
And it was just another thing that uh, Imlac was just jerking us all around. That's what that was about. Well, let's get into the root of the whole story here. February 18th, 1980, changes both your lives. You get the call, you're on the move. Walk us through that whole event in that day. Well, it was just, it was str- very, very strange and uh, not very respectful, but we played in New York and uh, we won the game that night. We went over to Long Island. I Some of the guys st- would stay in New York and uh, do whatever they were doing. I went back on the bus over to Long Island and uh, my roommate, who I got traded with, was the first time we ever roomed together. So that was strange, too, uh, with Jerry Butler. And uh, so it wasn't until, uh, I don't know, you know, one in the morning or so, whatever it was, I got up to go take a squirt, and there was an envelope, you know, had been slid under the door. And I opened it up, of course, and it said, you and your roommate have got traded. Never said where. <laughs> be in the lobby at seven o'clock. Well, Butchie wasn't even there. He wasn't even home yet. So now I'm thinking, okay, well, we're, we're, you know, nobody had signed it and it was on hotel paper. So I'm thinking, is that one of Sittler's and Lanny's jokes they used to do? Like, like what the hell's going on here? So Butchie comes home. I don't know what time it was. His wife probably doesn't want to hear that now. And uh, so I show him the letter and he goes, why? Well, he says, that's, those guys are dicking with us. And I says, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, I said, well, I'm going to find out right there and then. Now he's there. So I get, I throw on my sweatpants and I don't even have a shirt on. I go up to the suites where Punch is and I'm banging on the door. They won't open the door. And they said, we're not opening the door. And I said, open the door. I'll kick the door down. Well, all of a sudden the security comes. So I got no shoes on, a pair of sweatpants, no shirt. The security threw me out of the hotel. I'm outside. <laughs> And I'm trying to get in the door and I'm wrestling with the doorman. And I said to him, listen, I'm staying here. You guys don't want to get hurt. You know, I got to, I'm going back up to my room. I got to get dressed if I can't stay here. So anyway, I go back up to the room. They they never bothered me. We went back in the room. When we got down in the lobby in the morning, we still did not, to this day, nobody's ever told Jerry Butler he got traded. (laughs) Or me. To this day. And we're flying. We we fly back to New York to uh, to Toronto. We jump on the plane in Toronto. We're, we're heading out to Vancouver. And Butchie looks at me. He goes, "I hope you're not bullshitting me." <laughs> 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 okay, the so way we went. You know, that's how it happened. Squid, you your story. Yeah. It's- yeah. I mean, ours was ours was a little bit better in that they did tell us, and that Harry Neal came to our apartment. Well. Actually, it was a. It was funny because when I got drafted and went to Vancouver, uh, Lupul and I were rooming together, and uh, but we couldn't get an apartment. There was no apartments available in Vancouver, so I stayed with Glenn Hanlon, and then in February we got an apartment finally, and it was in the building right beside Harry Neal's. So, anyway, about six thirty in the morning, I think it was because the time change and everything he wanted us to find out from him before everything broke out in toronto so he just he's buzzing on my and we had a little party the night before because we moved into our apartment and my phone starts ringing and i'm what the heck's going on like our phone isn't even hooked up so i I pick it up anyway and it says hey rick it's harry let me in and i'm thinking yeah okay 
guys are screwing with us. Second time, so I, he called me, and then I realized it's him again. And I pressed what I think is the button to open the door. And then I obviously pressed the wrong button. Third time he calls, he goes, never mind, just come down to the front. So I walked down, and he says, we traded you and Billy Lego to Toronto. He says, you got a 11 or 12 o'clock flight or whatever it was. Uh, be on it. And that was it. That was it. Well, what else are they going to tell you? But it's too bad you got traded. Yeah, I mean, and then I played my first game in Long Island where you guys were going to be playing the next night after the Rangers. Or two nights after the Rangers, I think it was. And uh, so we played there. And then I think we were on the road for a couple of games after that. And then we finally came back home. But, uh, but for me, it was a good move because... You know, Harry, I wasn't playing. I was sitting in the press box by that time. And part of that was on me, obviously. Uh, but, you know, Harry kind of took a disliking to me right from the beginning. And not personally, just, you know, as far as a hockey player. So, you know, it happens. And like I said, some of it, a lot of it has to be on me because I didn't perform probably as good as I could have and, and as good as Harry wanted me to. So, now, Tiger, what did you know about the two kids you got traded for? Well, I mean, I I was a kid when I was when I was a kid. I collect. I had every hockey card in the world, and I followed the game religiously. And I I did when I played, you know. Uh, so I knew all about Squids Junior. I knew everything about Billy D because he played in uh, Brandon and blah 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 blah. And uh, uh, and also I I played against them. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, sometimes when you're younger, you go through. A, you, you, it's good to go when you're young to go through a little bit of a hard time. Whether I never mm -hmm. got the opportunity, uh, and I didn't want it to sit out a game. The only games I sit, sat out was some referee would make a bad judgment, and I'd get suspended, and uh, I should <laughs> never got suspended over bad judgment. But anyway, or poor eyesight, or the combination of both. But anyway, uh, so I I knew their their level, their talent level, and uh, nobody could shoot the puck better than uh, Squid, and nobody could handle the puck better than uh, than Billy D, Billy and D. they and they could yeah. skate. So they were, <laughs> like I said in the in the beginning, it would have been great if I would have been. They would have stayed in Vancouver, and somebody else would have went, and uh, I would have had uh, got to play on the left side because we would have been a hell of a line. Now, Squid, let me ask you. It is what it is. Let me ask you, Squid, the pressure that on both of you guys replaced one of the most popular Maple Leafs of all time, or did you guys even have any idea? And maybe the second part of this question is, if not for the grace of God, maybe an election that day, your reception or your landing in Toronto might have been a little different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we get on the plane and uh, Billy goes, hey, let's have a couple of beers because we were flying to Toronto, staying overnight, maybe going to Long Island the next day. And the, the captain comes on the, the speaker and he says, well, today's election day, ladies and gentlemen, and we will not be serving any alcohol on the flight. <laughs> but I swear, Billy, I think he offered $1,000 to the flight attendant. I said, Billy, we don't need a beer that badly. Like, you know, I mean, we got we to gotta go to Toronto, then we got to go to Long Island tomorrow. We're probably going to be some press in, at the airport. And sure enough, we didn't get a drink. And uh, when we got there, there every TV station, newspaper were waiting for us at the airport. So, so it was probably a good thing that it was election day. Otherwise, 
our arrival might have been a little bit different. <laughs> well, that's the other thing, Squid. If you, if I would have played with both you and Billy, uh, the beer days would have been over. Or you would have been getting funked. <laughs> well, we're going to get into that in a second here. Now, now, Tiger, Squid and Billy both start putting up some good numbers, but you yourself had your biggest year, 35 goals, 62 points, second most penalty minutes you had in your career, 343. Were you, well, you just said... Well, you must have been keeping an eye on these guys a little more of their progress going forward. Well, you know, good players are good players. And mm -hmm. sometimes uh, when teams put good players in the, in, in the right situation, they excel. And, you know, and maybe in Vancouver, they were not put in the, in the best situations. I don't know. I, you know, when I played against them, they, you know, they were good. And, but they were young. And sometimes when you're young, it takes you a little bit while to figure it out. And it, it's just a whole lifestyle. It's a, it's a big change, you know. And when you, when you, a lot of kids even playing junior today, uh, they think they're in shape. Then there's pro shape. And it's a whole, mm -hmm. up. you know, it's like hitting off the black tees or off the ladies' tees. Good luck, <laughs> you know. And yeah, uh, you're right. You know what? I, I gotta, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna jump in, Tiger, because I totally agree with you. And I, my son, went a different route, and he went to the U.S. development program because he was a dual citizen. And he went to university, and I gotta tell you, that was a big, big thing for him because his senior year, he had extra time, so he took a cooking course for a whole semester, and a bunch of other different courses. So when he turned pro. He was able to live on his own easily because he could cook. He could, you know, cook good meals for himself. And, you know, he wasn't going out eating junk food every day. And But we didn't have that luxury when when we came into the National League because, you know, we we played junior and uh, I didn't learn how to cook. <laughs> now, Squid, were you following uh, Tiger's progress from Toronto, just curiously? I mean, everybody wants to know when they got traded from the guy how the, how the trade is working out. And usually the best way is by the numbers. Yeah, I mean, not really. I mean, I knew he was going to thrive there or, or anywhere he went. I mean, it was just that he had the mindset that he was going to go in and he was going to do his job and no one was going to stop him. And I, I respected that uh, as I did with all the guys in the league that played that way. So um, I, I wasn't surprised that, that you know, he, he did very well in Vancouver. And uh, then obviously he had a few more stops uh, after that. But, you know, it didn't surprise me one bit. Now, Tiger, let's talk about your first game back in Toronto. Talk about how anxious you were getting back to play your first game. I was at that game, by the way. I sat behind the visitor's bench that first row. Somehow we got those seats, and I ended up there from work. You scored, chosen as a star. I I, I was going to leave, but they wouldn't let you out because, you know, because you beat us, Toronto team. So I, you can't get out because you're blocking there with all the ushers. You can't get out of those seats. So I had to stand there. But Kevin McCarthy and a few of the guys stayed on the bench. And I remember I heard McCarthy say, Watch this. You're announced as a star. So you come down the ice, turn around and do the shooting thing on riding your stick all the way down to the end. That's still, I would say, the greatest selly of all time in <laughs> professional hockey. Did you plan that one or did you uh, just improvise? Well, when I scored that game in the third period, which ended up, uh, and we ended up winning that game, the first game back in Toronto, it just happened. When I sat on my stick going towards my goalie, 
it just happened. I never thought about it. I never ever did it before anywhere. It just the way it's supposed to be in pro sports. Things is just supposed to happen as spontaneously are supposed to happen. And uh, a lot of people uh, to this day talk about how many times I rode my stick in the National Hockey League. And uh, the answer is once. That was the only time. Yeah. And the reason why people get a little confused is different players did it after I did it, but they remember the first time. But I only did it the once, and uh, it it was like, uh, you know, kind of like I'm back and I'll see you the next game sort of thing. But uh, I did – it was good for our, our team and our organization. And uh, when you win, you should be very happy. And we were very happy that we got two points on the road, especially the first time back in Toronto. Now, Squid, did you hear about it in the dressing room or see it on TV? Like, what was your reaction when you saw that? Or did you even bother? Oh, I saw it on replays afterwards, and I didn't have a problem with it. I, I thought it was, you know, pretty cool. I did it after I scored. I never did it after the, the star selection. Oh, I thought I you did, did it after the star selection. I know you no, did. I no, thought you did it. No, 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 it was right after you after scored. scored. Oh, you scored the goal. Every every yeah. guy on the bench on the ice seen it. No, I never did yeah. it after. You know. No, it was after he scored a goal, and you know yeah. what? I didn't have a problem with it. Was it. Five it was, minutes to go in the game. You know what? Or That's what it was. It was near the end. Yeah. Well, you end up yeah. in Vancouver. In Vancouver, Roger Nielsen, the old familiar face we talked about in the game. Talk about that run the team on went on right to the Stanley Cup final with the white towel and the whole shebang. Well, the white that was the following year, wasn't it? Was that the following year, yeah, that was eighty. Wasn't that the following year? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. The or two years. The white, yeah. the white towel thing is is interesting due to the fact that every fan in in, in Vancouver they created this white towel thing that happened at the baseball yeah. game the other night between Atlanta and the. Uh, and the Dodgers was, uh, you know, the land of people that had red flags or red towels, whatever you want to call them. So the, the people of Vancouver own that, right? They're the ones that developed it and, yeah. and good for them. Cause that, you know, that was another spontaneous thing that started. But uh, um, the reason we went to the finals that year was only for one reason. We had a really good coach and we had a really good character team. Our talent base was not all that great, but if you look around, if you if you go through that whole team of the guys that played, I think 16 of those people remained in the game, working in the NHL or in junior hockey, but mostly in the NHL, whether they were coaches, GMs, uh, Jimmy Nails, the GM in Dallas, he was on that team. Ronnie Dorm scouted after that for 30-some years for the Canucks. Uh, Thomas Green scouted. I mean, Stan Schmeel. I mean, uh, Kurt Fraser coached in Atlanta for the Thrashers when they were called the Thrashers. I mean, most of those fellas stayed in the game. There's only a very select few of us that didn't. Because uh, um, I'm, I'm one of the only guys I don't think that ever worked uh, for a team ever. And it just showed you the character and the guys, the, the, the love for the game that that team had. Um, the other thing that we had that uh, nobody ever talks about, but we had probably the two best trainers in the league. Uh, our medical trainer was mm -hmm. phenomenal. So, you know, that was Larry. That was Larry Ashley, right? 
Yeah, Larry Ashton. He was unbelievable. Yeah. Kenny Flager was our was our equipment guy, and everything was always done perfectly. Uh, you know, Larry would, uh, you know, he he would work on on the guy's legs, arms, whatever, and get them ready to play. And I really believe that had a lot to do with it. We we didn't we didn't a lot of guys we hardly missed a game in the playoffs. You know the the you know the main core group, which was all about and. Uh, and Harry Neal and Roger ran a good show. I love playing for Harry Neal when he coached me and he was a GM because he was a funny, funny guy. And uh, the and the other thing about Harry Neal was interesting was Harry Neal, you could go a month and never see the same practice. That's a guy that's got brains. These other fellows can have a practice and you'll see it over and over and over again because they're not thinking about changing their practices, you know, uh, so to me, that's a sign of a good coach is a, is a guy that has uh, different practices and and practices that are there for development of the game, whether it's power play, penalty killing, you know, four check, whatever it is, right? And Harry always had practice. Roger always obviously obviously did too, and uh, but uh, I'm they were a good tandem. Harry and Roger were a good good group to work for, um, and and. Uh, they were good. They were good people. You know, it, it's funny when you're good people and your and your and your teammates uh, respect management. How much more you get out of, out of each other, uh, and and we yeah. we did that with that group, and uh, we were close. I mean, the Islanders, if you remember that in '79, Lanny scored the overtime goal in the seventh game, and it it upset the Islanders so bad that we caught them four years later on their fourth cup. You know. Yeah. And uh, we would have won that first game in the island. We lost in double overtime. Uh, who knows where that series would have went? But uh, it was fun. It was it was a tough series. Getting rid of even L.A., getting rid of Chicago. Those were friggin' battles, you know. Uh, that was when hockey was knock them down, you know, rock them, sock them. It, it was it was good. But the Islanders had a hell of a team. And if I'm oh, going to lose yeah. to somebody in the finals, I'd rather lose to my buddy Trotsky than anybody else. Now, how did it all come to an end in Vancouver for you? I, I just, I, I, you know, what happens is that sometimes in the, in addressing you, the management think you're you're bigger than they are, and and you have to go, and that's what happened in Vancouver. Um. I was getting towards the end of my contract and I, you know, I had a lot of, you know, the guys would, would listen to me no matter what. And sometimes management and ownership, they don't like that. And the other thing that really, I think upset the ownership group was I bought a house in, in West Vancouver in the British properties of the who's who of the zoo live. And I don't think the ownership group appreciated me buying a million dollar house. Um, and I, I think that ticked them off and, but anyway, it, it, you know, when you look back at it, getting traded is a good thing because again, it's just the way the sports world works is every time I got traded, I got more money. Well, let me stop you right there. There's where I want to go with, there's where I want to go with this. Now you told us to start one time and let's see if I get this story right. You ask for your pay, about your pay, because you're moving to the States, so it's a different currency, 
And they said something to the effect, well, we'll prorate on conversion. And you said, no, 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 it's not going to work like that. I'm making a buck Canadian. I'm on a buck US. And besides you're moving, you're moving my family. I'm on a new contract or I ain't going anywhere. Is that kind of how it all went? Yeah, basically. I mean, that again, a lot of players, first of all, I never had an agent. My first contract in Toronto, uh, Herb Pinder from Saskatoon helped me out with that contract. And uh, he did help me out a little bit in Vancouver, but I never really had an agent like a full-time guy, right? Uh, to me, um, I, I used to hire the odd uh, labor negotiator uh, who was at the top of his game to help me out and give me some advice and, and look at some of the contracts because who knows if they change the wording, if they don't think you got a guy uh, uh, looking after the, the farm. So I would use, I always had uh, Deloitte were my accountants for 47 years. So I always had good people. McCarthy Tetro in Toronto were my, my law firm. And uh, I always had really good people uh, look after, after things for me. But the other thing is you got to fight for what you believe in and you got to tell the ownership group or that GM in most cases, uh, what your stance is. I mean, uh, it's, it's called negotiating, not, here it is, sign here. That don't work for me. Well, I think um, that's so set a precedent. I, I, I always, I, I get paid very well as far as I'm concerned. Well, I think that set a precedent, Tiger, for players because if I'm not mistaken, I mean, until all players were paid in U.S. dollars, it was the two different currencies. So that was a bit of a precursor to all yeah. of that. You like you asking, demanding to be paid equally. Well, I mean, it. it, it because that only makes sense. Because anywhere in, if you're working for IBM, or you're working for CN Railroad, and you're yeah. and you're working in the state, you get paid in U.S. dollars. I mean, come on, <laughs> this is the way the world works, guys. But again, some players get intimidated when you're in that friggin' office by yourself, and there's probably two or three of them in there, and you're in there by themselves. That's when you got to get aggressive. What's the worst case scenario? They say no. Oh, oh, by the way, you're we're not signing and <laughs> yeah. we're gonna trade you again. You you're you're in the best position. They're not. Well, now maybe pick they up just, on they just traded a couple guys for you again. And if you don't sign, what are they gonna do? Where are they gonna send you? So and by the way, get off your wallet. I mean, you know, Squid, you were lucky enough, but a whole bunch of other guys and all the guys that participated in the lockout, and when we got the NHL finally got full disclosure, full disclosure. Then the guys got what they, they deserved. Unfortunately, uh, a bunch of the other guys and, and, and didn't fight enough, you know, whether you can blame it on Gordy Howe or whoever you want to blame it on. The guys were always underpaid as a professional group of, of athletes compared to the other uh, professional uh, leagues because they mm -hmm. did not stand together. Well, I was going to ask you, Tony. That didn't, that didn't start till about 94 in that range, I think, when uh, I think when Dag went to Ottawa and he signed into that $12 million contract over four years or something. That's when things started to shift. And it was after the lockout in 90 – when was the lockout? 92 Four. or 93? Four. Was it 94? Yeah, I was done by then. I was coaching. Uh, but uh, – yeah, once that happened, then all of a sudden you had uh, salary disclosure. You had uh, like yeah. free agency back when in our day, Tiger was 32 years old. 
a lot of guys were done by then. And you didn't get an opportunity to be a free agent. Now, then all of a sudden it gets lower to 28 and then 26. And, you know, now, I mean, a kid comes in at 18 years old, eight years in the league, he can be an unrestricted free agent. Well, now, Tiger, I wanted to get you to tell us about now in Hartford, things didn't go as well. Now, you have a, a funny story, although at the time it probably wasn't funny, about leaving the rink the night you left Hartford and then meeting some unruly characters and then collecting your last paycheck, was, which was a little bit of a different story. Well, yeah, Hartford, uh, Hartford didn't go very good in, in the fact that uh, um, it was just a bad, it was a poor organization from the ground up. Uh, poor coaching, poor general manager, ownership group didn't know what they were doing, zero leadership in the, in the, in the upper um, class of the or organization. Um, they, um, they were, all, all those guys, the game had passed them by and the ownership group uh, wasn't smart enough to realize that. Mm -hmm. And uh, the sad part was they had incredible, great young players. If they would have had a reasonable coach and GM, they were, they were the top four team in the last four standing in the playoffs because they had Dave Babbage. They had uh, uh, Ronnie Francis, Kevin Denis, Sylvian Tergeron, yeah. Paul Lawless, uh, Mike Leite was a goalie. Stevie Weeks was a backup goalie. They had uh, uh, Dana Merson was a young man that uh, they had an incredible team, but they their practices were the worst I'd ever seen in my entire life, and uh, they had no they had no leadership uh, uh, there. Uh, the, even in the room, they had no uh, Joe Quenville was there. Everybody was scared to be a leader because Emil Francis was a dictator and they were scared of that, uh, having leadership. But that was unfortunate. And that's the way, you know, it's funny about pro sports. These guys come along with a few billion dollars and they want to uh, buy a team, but they're not smart enough to put the right management group together, you know. Um, and it, I'd like to interview the next guy, uh, whoever, like even the Kraken guy. I don't know who he is, but in Seattle, hopefully he's a smart man and, and lets the hockey people run the hockey team. Uh, and, and, you know, and the other thing in Hartford, uh, the owner's son was our stick boy. So he was always squealing. On <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's, that's just, you just don't run a business like that. Yeah. This, these are multi-billion dollar businesses, you know, it's just pure stupidity. But anyway, uh, yeah, I got kicked out of the rink. Uh, uh, <laughs> they traded me and then uh, at the airport in front of my family, my, 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 my family was going back to see my dad dying of cancer. And uh, so as we sat around waiting for the plane, then they come, when I went to get on the plane, they said, oh, by the way, ah, we forgot. We traded you. Uh, we released you this morning. So... I went home and then the guys were playing in Montreal and then the next game, a couple of days later on a Friday night, they were playing back in, uh, in Hartford. And I went to the game like usual and I lived close to Gordy house. So I used to pick up Gordy a lot, uh, on the way to the rake because Gordy lived across the cornfield from me. And, uh, so that, you know, and I never sat out a game there. 
well, I got hurt for a while. And so, of course, I always sat with Gordy. Anytime I could be with Gordy, I sat with Gordy. And, but when I was sitting in the Gordy, this cop come up to me and tapped me on the shoulder. And he goes, uh, uh, are you Tiger Williams? And I said, yeah. He says, I'm here to escort you out of the building. And I said, really? I said, well, you're not big enough. And I stood up and I give him a bit of a shove, which apparently is not good. And he says, come on, let's go. And I says, no. I says, you better go get some help. I'm not going nowhere. And so he took off. Gordy's hugging me. I sit down again. Gordy hugs me. And I think, well, he's probably going to come back here. So I take my tie off because this could be a bit of a rodeo coming up here. <laughs> and I took my hat my tie off and put that away because you don't want a guy grabbing and choking you to death. And uh, Gordy says, Tiger, I don't, you, you don't need this in your life. And I don't need this in your life. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come and see you after the game and blah, 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 blah. And I says, no, Gordy. I says, uh, I fought my way in this league. I'm willing to fight my way out of it. That's not a problem. And uh, so they come back. And uh, the, this time there was four of them. And uh, they got, uh, they, were, they kept their distance. They were a couple arm lengths away on both sides of me. And they pulled out their guns and they just went, turn around, we're handcuffed and we're taking it out of the building. And I said, I ain't turning around. I ain't. I said, which one of you guys is coming first? I said, which one of you chicken shits is coming first? And that guy goes, they're pointing their guns at me. And I, and uh, Gordy said, they'll shoot you. I said, they don't have the balls to shoot me. And I, anyway, they, they piled on me and, and they took me down to my car and they give me a thing that I was never allowed back in the building uh, the rest of my life or I'd go to jail or some bullshit. Anyway, so that was, uh, that was the last time I was ever in that. Well, it was the second last time I was ever in that building. Yeah. Then about two, three weeks later, um, I went down there. I was hanging around with uh, with a group of guys, uh, Harley guys. <laughs> and they were a well-known group of Harley people that uh, a lot of people don't like. But they're in that 1% group. Smart guys can figure out who they were. Yep. And I had a relationship with those guys throughout the uh, from my days in Toronto to Vancouver, everywhere, because they're all across the country. And for some reason, uh, I'd, we'd always spend a little bit of time with each other when nobody was looking. And uh, so uh, they were at the bar that I went to to watch the hockey game. And uh, I never met these fellas before. And I met them. And then two or three weeks later, I hadn't got a paycheck. And so we went, jumped on our Harleys, and we drove down the Hartford Civic Center to go get my paycheck. And uh, they walked in first and uh, uh, we caused quite a commotion in there and the players were nervous as hell. Uh, Cause I picked the time, right? Right. Just before I, they were going on the ice. And then uh, I called, uh, I called Brenda and I said, okay, so if there's a, somebody comes at the door, uh, you know, and gives you an envelope, uh, open it up, you know, Call me and tell me what's in there. Well, it was my paycheck. So they were never late after that. <laughs> so me and my paper buddies, uh, and we were very good at collecting paychecks for guys that the team didn't want to pay. But anyway, you know, Hartford's a great place to play as far as uh, uh, the fans, the building, the location. Good good, good place to, to live. Uh, great schooling, which is important to for my two kids. Uh, so I, I liked it there, but the organization was uh, 
uh, if the fans would have, would have ever realized how bad they were, it was, it was, it was sad. It was sad for all those young guys. Um, and, uh, a lot of guys, they were, they were scared to open their mouth because they, they knew Amo Francis would run them out of the league. Well, I wasn't at my age. It didn't matter. And I still had four years left on my contract. So what are you going to do to me? You know, now, Tiger, over the years, you've been known for some great quotes. Um, you've kind of addressed this one already, but I, uh, you know, when you can deal with fear, then you'll probably make something of yourself. You've got to be scared every day that you're going to lose and scared that every day someone is going to take your job. I was scared every second I played. That's what it's all about. And that, yeah, I think you find your career. That's the way you took life every day, approaching your game. Well, I, and I, I think you have to approach that way. And, and especially in the, it, it, you know, for a lot of fans don't realize when you're, when you're, when you're playing pro, you, you got to make it happen, you know, every day. So uh, playing scared is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Cause if you're not, if you're too comfortable, you ain't going to be very good. You know, uh, uh, that's just the way it's got to be. I mean, this is a very select group of people. And we'll just, just talk about the hockey world. The guys that are playing the National Hockey League today is a very, very special select group of people that have something either between the ears or it, uh, or they're born with some talent. But you got to make it happen. And you, and, and you got to perform. And uh, it's a, it's a rare thing. And, and, and if you're lucky enough to win the cup, and I don't care if you play 100 shifts or one shift, that that's that's a hard trophy to win. Yeah. It might be the hardest trophy in pro yeah. sports to win. It's, it's a gruel during the, those playoffs. It's a, it's a grind during the during the season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful place to be. And then the other thing that we don't talk enough about is you'll never get a better group of people than the hockey people. I would imagine Squid and I together, we might be able to, and the different teams we played on and the different guys we met, uh, uh, whether it was junior or after, now in, uh, in post uh, your career is, you wouldn't, for me, I'm playing on five teams and playing in the league for 15 years, you can't count five guys that, that you'd want to hit over the head. You know, they're a, Pretty mm-hmm. phenomenal group of people in the in the National Hockey League, and uh, and and good for them, and good for them, and and I think that goes all the way back. Uh, who contribute to this group of good people are not just the coaches; these are your billets. All of us, most of us, had billets, and for me, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys without my billets in Swift Current, mm-hmm. Millian Gord, Olson, um, then. The coaches, the trainers, they all help in mentoring you as you go on, even even as a pro. And if you're with good organizations and have good people and your teammates are a phenomenal group of people. And that's why we're still together. Like uh, uh, Dave Schultz, the hammer. I love being with him now. He's got the best hairdo in the National Hockey League for a guy who's seven years old. (laughs) But, you know, I battled with him. I, you know thought about killing him more than once. And uh, now I can't wait to see him again. You know, he's just a great guy. Uh, and, uh, you know, when the game's over, it's over, man. Uh, we're just the same again. You know, so it, it's a, 
And, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, Batman. I think he's done a phenomenal job. And I would I would like the fans to quit booing him. I don't think that's right. There's no need for it. And so you people out there, listen. I don't want to have to – I haven't got time to slap you all. But uh, <laughs> I like him. I think he's done a great job. Him and Daly, I think, have done a phenomenal job. Squid? Yeah. I'd have to agree with you on that. And, uh, I love what you said before, though, about – Five, because I was asked one time in an interview, someone asked me, like, how many people did you hate that you played with, you know, over the course of your career and four different teams? And I said, well, I said, first of all, hate's a pretty strong word. I said, I don't think there's anybody that I actually hated that I played with. I said, there was probably five guys that I maybe didn't get along with or we thought things differently. And I said, that was it. Five guys, and I probably played with, you know, 150 guys over my, the course of my career, maybe more. Yeah. So I, I, I think the same way as you, and I do believe that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly have done a great job as well. I mean, they've made a lot of money for the players, and they've made a lot of money for the owners. So they've done a phenomenal job growing the game and, and bringing the, the revenues up to where they should be compared to the other sports. Well, they're not, they're not that close to them yet. But they've done a hell of a job increasing them. Well, there probably wouldn't be an NHL today if Batman hadn't stepped in and put things in place as he did. Yeah. Because the league probably would have been bankrupt at some point. So they did. They have done a job from that standpoint, put the league together, and they've made it and yeah. put it in a position where people will enjoy the game. Tiger, we are getting down in the minutes here. We want to thank you so much for spending so much time with us. We're going to make this into a two-parter, by the way, for our listeners out there. But we're all on the verge of quotes. My humble opinion, the quote that put you on the list of the all-time greatest quotes ever, elimination game going into the third period against Pittsburgh. I think it was Brian McFarland asked you if you guys could hang on that the Pens have a chance without missing a beat. Your response was, them Penguins are done like dinner. Where did that one come from? I mean, that lives on in... I I, I don't know. I mean, when you went and did uh, interviews with, with Brian and with Dick Bettles and those guys, I never ever thought of anything. I just <laughs> waited for the question and responded the way that it it did, whatever way the noodle was thinking that day, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, like somebody said to me the other day, uh, you know, about this podcast. And by the way, this is the second one I I've ever did in my life. I did one because Daryl wanted me to go on one, but uh, and and I would went on this one because of Squid. And some guy, well, why don't you ask them for their questions? And I said, that would be a chicken shit thing to do. You know, let them fire at you, you know, give them a response or, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I, I've enjoyed it. I was quite nervous because I'm not, I don't even like looking at a computer. I don't need a computer. Um, <laughs> I'm like that fellow that runs that $80 billion uh private equity firm out of New York. He doesn't even have a cell phone. Uh, so, uh, but I'm glad I got through it. Well, I want to ask you a couple of things. Now, you're a bit of a prankster. And some of the pranksters you came across uh, throughout the years. Now, one story I heard about you. Oh, I, hey, I, I know I know your buddy Gerald was probably the worst, but he got away with it every goddamn time. Well, there's a few Nobody could here. catch him. Well, here's one, Squidford, that maybe you don't know this one about Tiger, more precious memories, at the NHL players meeting, I think they're in the Bahamas or something, and 
There was the big formal dinner, and you were hiding behind a bush and pushed Wendy Settler into the pool, her and another girl, when you were formally dressed going to the pool. No, party. I was actually at the Calgary Stampede. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were at the Calgary Stampede together. Uh, we, uh, the Montreal guys and us, uh, uh, the Canadian guys and us, we are playing a baseball game uh, for charity during the Stampede. And, uh, yeah, Wendy, uh, Wendy got pushed in the, in, you know, but you know, everybody should know, you know, I wasn't a very good s- skater and, uh, I stumbled a couple of times and she just happened to be in the way and she got pushed in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's still mad. That's what I'll probably live to be 180 because she doesn't, she ain't going to let me go up above her and, and sit beside her at the pretty gate. <laughs> she doesn't want me up there. But, well, I, I was gonna you had a very strong bond with Daryl Siller, maybe not the night of the pool incident. And Lanny McDonald, it's been over 40 years. I mean, what you've touched on it briefly, but what cemented the relationship with these guys? You and Lane, you're Western boys, so that might have helped, but you also were battled against each other once in the playoffs. Well, Lanny, Lanny and I did. Of course, Daryl and I, thank God we never, you know, it it's just the way it is. I mean, uh Lanny's job was to score goals, and my job was to stop him from scoring goals. So you got to do what you got to do, because yeah. I was, I I got a different uh, crest on me that I have to look after. I have to, I have to honor that crest. So I got to do what I got to do. And yeah, Lanny was Lanny and Ardell. They were a little upset when I cut him for nine stitches, but you know he also could have quit shooting the puck at my goalie too. He had he he had that. <laughs> He could have made that decision. He elected to keep doing it, so I had to do what I had to do. You know, that's just the way the world works. But uh, you, know, we've been good friends for for forty seven years, us uh, us two. Uh, and you throw in, uh, uh, you know, everybody else, uh, but those two and uh, Trotch and Dean Kennedy. There's probably about my group, there's probably about 50 of us that we, we hang together on it. We, we keep track of each other, and that's what we should do, you know. Uh, it's nice to see what their grandchildren are doing now, never mind their own kids. But that's what the game's all about. It's about it's about people, you know. And I, I say this all the time. Good people have good results. Bad people don't have zero for results. Scraty, got anything for Target before we let him go? No, I think, uh, you know, the thing I love about hockey players, Tiger, guys like Daryl, Lanny, all these guys who I've had the opportunity to play with or or get to know, family. Family is so important. And you got to look after your family, and that's that's kind of the number one thing. And that's what I love about hockey players. They look after their family when they're playing, they look after the, in the dressing room and on the ice. And then afterwards, when they go home, it's all about the family as well. And well, well, Tiger's well said, one of those guys. Well said, Squid. Good yeah. for you. I I, I, yeah. I, second that motion. Well, any final thoughts yeah. on you, Tiger, um, before we let you go? No, I, 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 my final thought is thanks for having me on. Thanks for calling me squid. I appreciate the call. And, and Mike, uh, the ultimate least fan. <laughs> I, I think there's a few other guys out there that w- might want to challenge that. Oh, uh, we have a guy here in Swift current that he's license plates, leaves, and he's got his sign on everything's leaf, 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 leaf. So good for him. Larry Jensen's his name. And he's a huge leaf fan, but they're all across the country. They're That's everywhere. Amazing thing. Everywhere. Uh, you know, yeah. 
they're all across the country and uh uh the the Leafs fans are good are good people. That's the one thing you when you get traded uh, the first month or so you miss those people. There's a lot of good mm-hmm. people, you know, uh, but there's good. Pe- I found out there's good, even in LA uh, there's there's good people everywhere, you know. Uh, yeah. In Detroit, I love Detroit too, you know. So uh, you know we just got to keep being. We got to get through this pandemic. We got to keep encouraging people to get vaccinated. And and move on because you're going to have to get it sooner or later. Yep. And uh, mm-hmm. and and this this stupidity of not getting vaccinated, I I, I don't get it. Um, but anyway, I'm encouraging everybody to encourage everybody to get it vaccinated as soon as possible so we can get back to normal. Well said. Well, Tiger, that would be very nice. <laughs> Tiger, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. It was some great, fantastic stories. We knew you wouldn't disappoint. And it was a lot of fun. Thank you again for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. Thanks, Squid. Thanks, Tiger. Be good. Thanks, Tiger.